Back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise podcast. Uh, this episode has not one but two interviews uh, with a couple of my friends. The first is Kevin Kadick, who was uh, part of the launch of the new uh, Chicago Sports website and podcast network and YouTube channel, uh, Go, uh, which I will always refer to as Chuggo. Uh, he was nice enough to, uh, to talk about that and how that came about and what their plans are. And then following that interview, I uh, got to talk to my friend and former editor at The Athletic, John Greenberg, and we talked about all kinds of stuff. Uh, we talked about Chuggo, uh, I pitched an idea for a podcast for uh, John and I to do, and he said he would do it, and I don't think he meant it, but still. Um, we talked about the lockout, we talked about Bob Nightingale, um, <laughs> we talked about uh, baseball's new deal with Apple TV. We talked about football announcers. We talked about all kinds of stuff. It was, and it was a lot of fun. And, uh, so without further ado, cause people don't like more ado, here are Kevin Kadick and John Greenberg. Oh, I better get this out of the way. Of course, you can subscribe to the Pointless Exercise podcast and the Pointless Exercise newsletter at, you guessed it, pointlessexercise.com. All right, so my first guest today is um, an old friend, Kevin Kadick, who has a new job. He is the head of content for CHGO Sports, which I think you guys should pronounce Chuggo. I like it. See? There you go. That's free. Could, uh, free from me to you. Wasn't that like the heckler's clown mascot? What was that guy's name? They had a clown mascot named like Chugs or Chuggo or something. Well, don't don't yeah. do that then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny when I saw the CHGO. I'm like, all right, how do they pronounce that? And I just went yeah. go, and I thought that's what it was. But it's CHGO. We are, we are the first member of the All City Network to actually have a vowel, so we feel very very uh, fortunate to have that. I yeah. saw that the other two are Denver and <laughs> Denver and Phoenix. I was going to ask you about that. Does the does the Denver one is it in a bar? Yeah, so I mean that's kind of like one of the cool things is uh, our CEO Brandon Spano and um, some of his other founders started this in in 2015 and 2016, and they built such a following and would have these watch parties um, and attract so many people out there that they said, okay, well maybe we just have a bar. And uh, they opened a bar three days before the pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) Great time. But, uh, you know, they did such a great job and, like, fostered such a community out there that, uh, you know, they didn't even really skip a beat. And if you actually go to their YouTube page, you'll see, like, uh, the other night they had a, you know, big abs game and a big nuggets game. The place is packed and just going nuts. And they've made it part of the model and, and Phoenix is getting one and, and hopefully one day we'll get here. We'll, we'll get one here too. Oh, that's cool. So I looked up, I wanted to see what, where your space was. Um, did the people from Tango code leave anything cool <laughs> behind when they moved out? <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't even know what Tango code is, but they, yeah, 
I didn't either. I, when you when you Google search your address, you get this really nice virtual tour of the space, but it's not you guys. It's a it's a bunch of coders who honestly, I hope you guys deep cleaned that thing before you moved in because they <laughs> just had shit all over the place in there. But um, so there you go. Now I know something about your building that you didn't even know. I know who the prior tenant was. Uh, okay, so you guys uh, you launched on Friday, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you have you are a full service website with a voluminous number of podcasts. Yep. Podcasts on the Bears, the Bulls, the Cubs, the White Sox, the Blackhawks, the Chicago Betting Site, and then of course the uh, the main Chuggo uh, podcast. Hosted by me. Hosted by you, and I saw you got to kick everything off. You were the Very first cool. face ever on the site. Cool. Um, it makes me wonder who who was the first person to be on the air at the score. Was it was it Tom Share or was it somebody else? Or, I think it know? was Share. I think I've heard that trivia question before. And obviously he was he was the host of the first ever morning show they had. Although who knows? Right. They had to wait. They had to wait for the sun to come up too. Right. I mean, they had to get <laughs> off when the sun went down, and they had to wait till is the sun up yet? No. Oh, we can't start broadcasting yet. <laughs> well, it's nine thirty. Your shift's over. Well, shit. Um. Yeah, yeah. We have got... a ton of podcast. We have a ton of podcasts, and uh, we're, we're adding the sky and, and a soccer podcast uh, in, in the coming weeks as well. So. Yeah, I was going to ask what you. You got a big addition today, although I yeah. saw him creeping around. You put out that um, your launch video, and I saw mm-hmm. Adam Hogue creeping around in the background. So he was there Friday, right? You just didn't acknowledge him. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Do you have any other big surprises planned? Not that I can break here, Andy. No. Ah, damn it. <laughs> Do you have a podcast where uh, two guys drink and remember crap about the Cubs or the or the uh, Bears? No, but we're looking. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know anybody that does that. <laughs> we're, we're taking bids. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's fade to play here, Andy. What, what do you got? Yeah. I, I can't afford myself. <laughs> okay. So the... Um, You'd run a deal right now where the first month is fifty cents, mm-hmm. and then eight ninety nine a month after that, or for the low low price of fifty nine eighty eight a year. What do you get if you subscribe? You get an awesome t shirt. We we got some of the dopest merch around. That's why Luke Stuckmeyer is calling it dope merch. It's stuck. Uh, stu- it's stuck by Stuckmeyer. Yeah. You get access to our exclusive Discord lounge, which is already pretty pretty active and kind of pretty cool. You can kind of get away from all the riffraff of social media and just kind of get down to the brass tacks with some other diehard fans, which is cool. Uh, you get access to our written content, which will include stuff from Adam Hogue, uh, some great stuff from our Bulls team, analytics-based, everything from our baseball. We're going to have credentialed reporters everywhere. Um, so it's got, you know, a little bit of a, a little bit of a athletic flavor to it as well. So, um, yeah, and then you get to be part of the community and, and family, and like like we said, it's kind of built on the, the model that that's been established in Denver and Phoenix, and we're just kind of trying to get everyone in the same place. And you know, you know how it is. Like you go on Twitter, and there's a lot of energy there, and we're going to corral some of that. And we like we like to say like we lead from the crowd and uh, not the stage. And you know, you've been doing that for for a long time. Um, so it's not foreign to you, but I don't think that a lot of people, you know, out there maybe have experienced something like this. Yeah, I think it's you have a great opportunity with 
not only are people, I think, a little tired of legacy media, but it's it's eating itself, right? I mean, they're offering less yeah. and less, and it's a good time for somebody to jump in and just do it, do it mm-hmm. differently. Um. So I have. Did you guys do? I have a question. Did you do a Cub podcast today? It's going on right now as we speak. Okay, how long roughly is the Cub podcast going to be today? An hour. An hour. So you'll have more live programming on the Cubs today than Marquee does. <laughs> sure. And if you do pre and post game, you're going to have at least as much live studio programming every day as the freaking yeah. network that's owned by the Cubs. You know what the, the problem, though, is like we actually might have to convert it into a Chelsea soccer club <laughs> podcast. I'm not sure if, if Luke or Cody or Ryan know a lot about Chelsea soccer. They'll know just as much as the nitwits that are trying to buy the team do. <laughs> so have Todd on, ask him a bunch of questions. That'll be fine. Uh, okay, so I was going to ask you a logistics question. Mm-hmm. Can you do more than one podcast at the same time? Yeah, we have three studios. We I'm, do I'm, have three. See, I'm I, talking that's... to you from Studio B right now. Well, that's cool. So you have three studios. Yeah. Have we only seen the one so far? Or have you guys been utilizing them and they're that seamless that we can't tell? No, we have, uh, we have the second one definitely looks a little different. It's a little smaller. It only has room for three chairs. And then Studio C is probably going to be even smaller than that and only be used for like when we have two people shows. Um, we haven't built that out yet. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it looks like a nice setup. Um, it's very nice. It's... So when did you get approached? And we're and are little, you like employee number? What employee number in in Chicago for CHGO? Yeah, uh, one and a half. One and a half. Yeah. Jake Jake Flanagan, our GM, came in a little bit before me, but uh, we kind of signed up together. And then were you the the key talent procurer? I was among it. We it was kind of really fun. I mean, I would. I would say, like, you were, you know, I, I think I said this on the CHEO podcast. Like, if you want to have, have fun, like, have some dudes from Denver come in and, and say, hey, build, build me the best Chicago sports website that you can. And uh, here's some money to do it. And I mean, honestly, like, we just spent, like, we would talk, like, for like hours at night, like, thinking, okay, like, who would want to do this? Who, who is, who would fit the mold that we want to do? And we had a huge spreadsheet for every single beat with, like, literally every single person that you could imagine. And, you know, went down one by one talking about like what, you know, what we, uh, what we like for them and, and maybe some people who wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be considered or wouldn't consider us. And then we just kind of went out and started making calls and kind of hoped to be quiet while doing it. How often, I, I, my question for you is how, how off guard did this catch you? Well, we could, I mean, I could tell something was happening. There are lots of people point? that I followed kept signing off and going, well, this is, I'm ending this, but uh, pretty soon I will be starting something else. And after two or three of those happen, you're like, well, clearly these people are teaming up somewhere. So, so. I, I was the first one to do that. And I ended midway minute, I think January 21st or 22nd. And then I don't think we had, I think Herb was, on the, was, was the next one. So was that, was it at Herb's point that you realized, or did it was you just connect the, Herb? It was just did like you the, connect Herb to me. I don't know. know. It was kind of the volume. All of a sudden, there were even podcasts I didn't listen to. I would see the 
tweets coming out. And I'm like, all right, there's something, <laughs> there's something going on. How disappointed were you when Yellen turned you down though? I mean, he had to be the key. Uh, that had to be the key was, uh, of the whole plan. Did that, did that almost sink the site? I, I, was, I honestly had to pull the Denver guys back from the, <laughs> back, back from the plane that they were trying to board yeah. quickly. But yeah. It, he, he'd be good though. He could do a podcast. You know, for a 120 game, he could do a podcast at 8:30 when he gets in line yeah. at the bleachers to go get his pathetic little seat right up there against. The you're you're too hard on Al. Was, nobody's okay. ever nobody's ever hard enough. I know Al. you guys. You guys go at each other, so no, we don't even go at each other anymore. Well, he, yeah, he's blocked you a long time, like decades <laughs> he's, ago. He's blocked me <laughs> and people who he somehow knows I know. There are people literally blocked on Twitter and banned from yeah, the yeah. site that ha- didn't do anything. And they're like, I don't even know how we knew to block- ban me. I, th- I think Al congratulated me before you did, Andy. Well, there you go. He's a bigger man <laughs> than me. <laughs> I'm just having fun. Was there, you don't have to name names, although if you do, you if you want to, you could. Were there uh, some people you really wanted that you just couldn't get? Hmm. I, I no, I don't think so. I mean, there, there's a couple. I mean, I, I think there's like a dream list, but um, you know, people make a lot of money or have really good jobs that we we didn't even approach. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's out there. I mean, look, we want to like build like a really cool place that is going to you know empower people to make cool content and, and not really get into a lot of stuff that they don't want to and we just kind of want to set them up with cool stuff and good distribution and get out of the way. So, you know, I think maybe going forward, some of those people on my list, like, you know, kind of hopefully come forward and, and say, I want to be a part of this too. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. From a very cursory look at the, at the people you got, they, yeah. there's, there's kind of a similar, like, I mean, you can go with a very basic metric of Twitter followers, that kind of thing. There's, there's, yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of consistency there, right? It's kind of people who you feel like should have a bigger following than they do, mm-hmm. and this was kind of their opportunity to build yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think it's any secret. It's like the kind of you know the athletic you know did, did this kind of same model too. It's not like they just started with people at zero followings. It's it's really hard to grow from zero. You know? It's it's really hard. So. I think it makes a lot of sense, but you look at someone like Herb, you know, who I've really, you know, I've loved on the score for a long time. And now he's getting the chance to be on the other side of the glass, so to speak. It's, uh, it's great. And, and you know what he announced that he was leaving, you know, his goodbye tweet got, you know, three or 4,000 likes or whatever it was. And, you know, he he has that relationship with, with sports fans and, and Sox Twitter and whatever. And, you know, now we've given him the space to, to kind of just run wild with it. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to get to hear all the things that he said into Lawrence's ear. Exactly. So we're actually going to get to hear them. Exactly. So now, did you give everybody on your staff a t-shirt when they started? Uh, they're coming, yeah. We, we, they haven't been printed yet, though. You know, I worked for the Athletic for four years. I never got a t-shirt. <laughs> I, I got a t-shirt. for. I was like, I was a subscriber like 517. John told me once, sir. It was in the first thousand. Well, I apparently I'm... signed up too soon because I didn't get it. I had, <laughs> I paid for my own I paid for my own subscription. Uh, I wrote for them for four years and I didn't get a T-shirt. I'm not well, bitter about I it mean, at all. 
you you don't uh, you're not lean and mean enough to to you know you, you got to be lean and mean enough to to sell for five hundred fifty million dollars. So I I can understand why that that decision was yeah. made. Oh, I'm sure my T-shirt would have put them over the budget, and then they would have closed. <laughs> they would have closed four years ago, and yeah. we would have never. The New York Times would have never been able to have bought them and Wordle in, within like three weeks of itself. <laughs> yeah. All right, so good. So you're gonna get a, you're gonna you're gonna open a bar. That's nice. Uh, I'll come down when you guys open that. Um, hey, we're gonna have watch parties. I mean, we're just gonna try to build this from the ground up, really. So, is the plan? Are you you're gonna, you guys are gonna do daily podcasts for all of the current sports, or no? Yeah, yeah. Your daily podcast, five podcasts a week. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the idea is, look, I mean, it's not going to be like, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff is like we, if you tune into the YouTube, it's like that the, the stream is there. And yeah. There's going to be slow days, but we're going to have fun with it. I mean, it's, you know, you and I, we both wrote newsletters during a pandemic when there was no sports, right? We, we got through that. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I, am I worried about baseball not starting until July 4th? Yes. But am I confident that these guys will figure out enough things to talk about uh, and, and enough ways to kind of just engage the community and, and really just become part of the discussion and have fun with the people who are paying attention? Like, also, yes. So, you know, hopefully the Bulls make a run to the NBA Finals somehow. I don't know how they're going to do that since they can't be a good team. But um, that's kind of what we're we're banking on. And, you know, the Bears right now are going to run through their – you know, the thick of their off season. And I don't think there's ever a day when there's isn't something to talk about with the bears. So I think we're gonna be fine. I think you're a little too worried. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm glad that baseball's locked out. Cause I really, I, I don't want a lot of things <laughs> to be able to write about every day. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, I mean, yeah, we, we may be uh, going really hard on the Des Moines news and, and the Tennessee news, and but you know, <laughs> if you do, that's fine. I mean, because you know, a lot of the stuff is for diehards too, and, and and keeping people up to date with what's going on with Brendan Davis and you know everyone else uh, who may be Cubs one day and hopefully be the next the next core of of a successful team. Well, it's pretty. I mean, obviously, Cub fans, we want we want spring training to start. We miss the Cubs, but uh, you know, it's it's not as heartbreaking as it is if you're a White Sox fan and you have an actual good team that's not playing. <laughs> the Cubs, the Cubs current roster is crap. It's I like know. Not really missing anything by not having them around. Um, yeah, but I, but you, I mean, you want to get Marcus Stroman out there as soon as possible and who knows what they may or may not add. And I, I like, I think, I think the Cubs are going to be interesting enough this, this year, no matter what iteration comes in. Like, I think they're going to be worth, we're tuning in every day. Um, well, yeah, I mean, maybe you just. I mean, what's kind of fascinating about it? We don't know. Is I mean, hopefully they. Hopefully, my theory that the owners really are just trying to sabotage as many April games as possible, and they want to mm-hmm. get started in May. Is we don't know what the market's going to look like when this thing opens back up, and there, if if you're if you're a a smart shopper at the frantic weird three-day free agency that's going to start. I mean, it, there is an opportunity there for the Cubs to put together a relatively good team. 
mm-hmm. on the cheap, which is what they would prefer, and relatively yep. quickly. So we'll see. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm anxiously uh, awaiting that to start because I'm, I'm just about just about done um, running pictures of Rob Manfred in the news there. <laughs> but, you know, with the Sox, too, it's like, I mean, you talk about, like, yeah, it would be a missed opportunity and be, you know, shades of 1994, but I'm not convinced, you know, that the, the way they bowed out against the Astros, and obviously anything can happen in short series, blah, blah, blah. I don't know how the Braves ended up winning the World Series, but um, they, they still have so many holes, too. So I don't think necessarily that if you're a Sox fan, yeah, it sucks that you don't see them in action, but I'm not sure that you're, you know, pissing away the prime of Frank Thomas's career right now, uh, you know, or, or whatever the team was in 94. Yeah, there's, I mean, that... That was an undeniably good team, one that had just been to the playoffs the year before. Well, of course, this mm-hmm. the White Sox have too. But you're right; that was a much better team that just and it was the difference. It was the they lopped off the end of the season in the playoffs, not the beginning. Yeah. So yeah, I mean they were what a I can't remember if they were tied with the Indians or the Guardians. Or, I don't know how we're supposed to refer to them now, but yeah, uh, yeah, I do remember the Indians were like sprinting after them. At great speed. Yeah. At the time the strike right. started, and there were. But if you like, go oh, and look at Frank Thomas's numbers when it got halted. I mean, they're just obscene. <laughs> just obscene. All right. Well, I promised you I would keep this short because you have a million things to do. Uh, but thanks for sure. hopping on. Um, congratulations on the new, um, on your new venture. I appreciate and, it. I appreciate all the support over the years. It's. I, I feel like we've come a long way from Wrigley World. That's right. I just play, I, I just placed a copy of Wrigley World on the uh, bookshelf. Right? Oh, did you? Good. See if any, see if anyone notices. Every time there's, I say, I'll, like, just, I'll just point at it and go, "I'm in, I'm in that book," for like a chapter. See if I impress couple, anybody. We've got that. a couple of kids here who were like, "I was seven in 2005. Yeah, yeah, screw <laughs> you, screw you, kids. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so if you're, oh, you want to come down, the the door is open and. We'll put you in a chair, and we got to fill up these hours somehow. So we, you can you, you can remember some crap. That's right. Anytime you need filler, just let me know. Yeah. I can ramble on about anything for twenty minutes, regardless. For sure. All right. So um, all chgo.com. That's your home for yeah. all things chuggo. It's going to catch on. Place. When you make Chuggo t-shirts, you have to remember that I was the guy that came up with that name for you. Yeah, you'll, you'll get the first one, and uh, it'll, it'll be on me, Andy. Oh, great. All right. Well, thank you, Kevin. <laughs> All right. I appreciate it, Andy. All right. DraftKings, the Casino Queen Sportsbook, is officially live with mobile sports betting right here in the Lincoln State. To celebrate Illinois going mobile, new customers can bet just $5 on any team of your choice and get $200 in free bets instantly. It's that simple. How else are you ever going to turn $5 into $200? And you can do this anywhere. Head down to Wrigley and sign up in front of the marquee. Take a selfie in front of the Jordan statue at the UC. Do it from your couch in your house. Just create your account. You can sign up right from the palm of your hand and get free bets instantly. Head to the DraftKings, a Casino Queen Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and features, including same-game parlays. It's safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings, a Casino Queen Sportsbook app now. Use promo code POINTLESS. 
Bet just $500 on any team of your choice and get $200 in free bets instantly. It's that simple with promo code POINTLESS. This week at DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. So remember that remember that promo code, POINTLESS. 21 and older, Illinois only, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 1-800-426-2537. So my next guest is John Greenberg, who is the let's see if I get your title right because there's a discrepancy. You're the senior columnist yeah. and editor in chief, or are you the founding editor? Which of the fancy editor titles do you prefer? I I think I'm now just founding editor and senior columnist because I'm not actually an editor anymore. Oh, uh, is it because you yeah, missed a writer? Is it because you missed taking my extra spaces out? You didn't want to be an editor anymore. <laughs> It took, that was it. That was like, well, once once you left, um, and by left we fixed the glitch, and yeah. <laughs> you stopped writing for us. But no, uh, it was just a reorg they did last year. Didn't really make a big deal about it. But uh, yeah, I'm just a writer now, just like you. Yeah. Well, less like you because I don't have all these other side businesses, you know, podcasts and bobbleheads and whatever the hell else you do. Yeah, I should have a bobblehead. I'm sure people would love to buy my. I don't even know what I would do you with should. my bobblehead. The bobblehead, the National Bobblehead Museum guy. I'm going to tell him. He just sent me a, just sent me a uh, email about a special. Every time they send you an email about a bobblehead, there's always like a media embargo until they're ready to announce don't, it. Don't. <laughs> so it's actually a really funny one. But uh, yeah. No, I've got an idea for a podcast for you. Okay. And I, I just, I would just happen to be on it. I think we should do the auxiliary press box. Just a blatant ripoff of Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker's press box. That would be a good idea. We don't talk about like the news though, do we? Like they do. We don't have to. Like they, they talk yeah. about like real news. The New York Times and Curtis oozes out at odd times. And but he wrote for play, right? He wrote for the although he probably wrote for everything. He's he could pretty much do anything. He wrote for like New Republic, he wrote for Play. Um, I think Texas Monthly maybe like as an intern. I'm no, I mean, Brian's a really smart, like yeah. I had him in my, I haven't talked to my DePaul class uh, recently and he's great. I mean, he just knows so much about media, yeah. but yeah, we should do that. Just like Chicago sports media. All right. Good. Well, you heard that. Think about I've it. recorded this. So this is, I now, I yeah, think this is it. binding. Okay. So yeah. congratulations to us. We have a podcast we're, now. We're going to find a home for this. Maybe on, maybe on Chuggo. Yeah. Maybe on Chuggo. So. Uh, yeah, for people listening to the podcast in order, and I don't know how you, you can't listen to it out of order, you just heard my interview with Kevin Kadick, where we talked about his new venture, CHGO. It's no CHGO. It's so confusing. And I told no, him that when I... It's CHGO, isn't it? CH, I thought it was CHGO. I thought it was CHGO. This could be I amazing. think you say <laughs> the go, which is just weird. I told him that when I saw it, it's ch and go. It's chuggo. And I referred to it as chuggo, and he played along you know, like he... I'm sure it annoyed him to no end, but he played along for the entire interview. They're going to, they're going to do a bar cause they, their Denver operation is a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they're going to do one for Chicago, you know, soon, sooner than later. Oh. And that bar should absolutely be called Chuggo. Chuggo. Yeah. Chuggo would be a great, what a great name for a bar. Let's it go to Chuggo. <sighs> See, why don't I, I need to trademark that like immediately. Right. I'll get my lawyer on the phone. Former, former <laughs> podcast co-host, Mike Brock. Right, yeah. 
Mike, I've got a we got some paperwork to fill out before they can open that bar. Mike, put your improv stuff. Put your improv. Uh, get off your improv stage. Well, that'll be. He's like, oh, I'm too busy. I got. Uh, we got another opening down at the theater. It's like, come on. He's like, I had a Harold we're doing. Your parents like- paid to put you through Notre Dame as a lawyer. At least do a little lawyering. <laughs> but you actually got to, you got to go to Chuggo. I did and see it in person. What were your impressions of of it? It's fine. You know, it's a nice big loft space. Um, they got some, you know, a decent amount of production stuff for their podcasting. They got the chairs, of course, and, and the microphones and like a big, you know, computer and stuff. I mean, they're, this is serious stuff in terms of, you know, the podcasting and the video equipment. You know, it's it's a pretty good operation. You know, I was definitely skeptical, right, of the whole thing. And I think everyone was because it's not like you and I are paying attention to like their Denver and Phoenix no. operations, right? Like we've never heard of, like I don't think I've ever heard of it. No. Um, I, I I think I heard of it when I when I knew this was going on and I kinda heard the back channel of them, you know, when everyone started quitting their jobs mm-hmm. and then, you know, we knew that people that were getting interviewed and stuff were going there. So right, like we don't it's not on our radar. No. Uh but you know, I, I had a long talk with Brandon Spanos, like uh the founder or the co founder. It's pretty legit, you know? I mean it's a pretty legit operation. Um, and yeah, they have this big office, but everyone else is still staying at home and, you know, they're making people drive to the yeah. last loop to take these podcasts. That would probably be like a, you know, that's, that's a no go for a lot of people. Yeah. One of the no go, for, Ch- no go for Chuggo. No go for Chuggo is just in, in today's age of doing everything from home. That being said, you know, what we're doing here, taping a podcast with video from home, it's like. It's awful. And remember when, when NBC Sports Chicago was was trying to keep Sports Talk live during the beginning yes. of the pandemic, and yeah. everyone was in their shabby homes. Yeah, it looked it's terrible. It's a terrible look. So it's a good thing they have a studio. I would, I would advise a table. Yes, I think a table looks better, especially either that or they're going to need to do a lot of them are going to need to do a little core work. <laughs> if you're right. going to sit there without a table with your laptop, your laptop's not hiding everything, guys. <laughs> wait till summer and half of them are wearing shorts. Oh. You remember um what was the what was the documentary that with Lou Pinnell in it where Lou was just wearing shorts and had his legs crossed? It was clear that Lou was there was nothing <laughs> under Lou's shorts. Is that the, which Cubs one was that? Yeah, I don't remember now. I remember this one I, I broke down frame by frame. Was and it the Marquee one? It had to be. Did Marquis do it? Didn't they, have a bad, didn't they have a bad one we made fun of for a while? I mean, though. Oh, no. You know what it was? Well, the I worst think? one ever was their movie, but that was... It was, that their, was wasn't that... I think, it, I think it might have been their movie. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think it had, I remember it how had bad, to be. I, oh, God, that I forgot about their movie. God, was that bad. Yeah. Well, two of my favorite was, columns post-Athletic were the movie and the one where I broke down. There was a Cubs uh, press conference where everybody was in their homes, and I got to rate all the sports writers' rooms. <laughs> <laughs> I got to dispel the myth that Paul Sullivan lives in a cave. It was it, it, it was a brownstone somewhere. It was not. I, I, he, he didn't crawl under anything to get into the house. I've been to Sully's place. I went to pick up my baseball writers' card. Does it have out? a normal size? Does it have like a round door, like a Hobbit? <laughs> No, just like a normal condo. Uh, it's right in, the, in Lakeview. Uh, but it's funny because it was 
I described it as like what I would live like if I never got married and just like <laughs> books everywhere. Right. Like he had one room that's just all old magazines and newspapers, like the whole room. And he actually, it's funny during the pandemic, he sent me a picture of it because he actually during the pandemic, he organized it. <laughs> and like Sully and Mark Potash have so many old newspapers, like, it, it, like an like I I really think they they should open like a museum like a sports writing museum because they have so much stuff in there they they've saved because they're just pack rats and Potsy's married with kids I don't understand <laughs> how like Sully's just living there you know living his bachelor dream I had a, sleeveless shirts talking on zooms yeah I had a political science professor who you you had to go to his office to get your term paper you had to pitch your term paper subject and he had to approve it. The only time you had to go to his office, you couldn't physically go into his office though, because it was so full of papers and books and whatever. So he would just stand in the doorway, but he would also smoke while he was talking to you. And while he was talking to me, he, he had in one hand, he had a cigarette in the other hand, he had my little synopsis of what my term paper was going to be. And some of his cigarette fell and literally papers caught fire while I was standing in the hallway. And he didn't even look, he didn't, he never looked down. He just stomped it out while he talked to me. Clearly it happened like six times a day. God, that's, that's the life, right? The professor, the public, the public college yeah. professor lifestyle. But yeah, so, so I've been to Sully's place and there's a lot of books as you might expect. So yeah, Kevin and I talked about when, when I, as someone that wasn't, you know, in on the on the inside, figured out what was going on, and it was like, well, I mean, people that I follow started within a few weeks. They were all quitting their jobs and announcing that oh, something exciting's happening, but I can't tell you what it is. Um, and then in my mind, you know, then we knew it was going to launch. You know, the on Thursday they all put those gifts up, right? And I was just trying to piece together the roster in my mind. And I was kind of like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's your tie. That's your, your take is the, uh, my take is just laughing at your, uh, in case people are, yes, right. I want to hurry. That, that was not an endorsement of, of my um, opinion of the, uh, there right. are some, there are some good people. There's no doubt about it. And I, I think, you know, they needed to, to do what they're going to do. They had to have, I guess they had to have a lot of people. So, they can't all yeah, be not people you've ever heard of. Right. They, they basically explained it to me as like each show or each beat is going to have like an experience, you know, like a beat person, like a writer, someone who's maybe like in charge, like Herb Lawrence is like the beat leader for the White Sox. Right. But he's not going to cover game, and He'll be at games doing stuff. But Vinny Duber will be like the reporter yeah. for the Sox and then Herb. And then I, I forget who else they have. You know, and then like the Cubs one has Luke Stuckmeyer, and I think, you know, for his broadcast kind of experience of like running a show. Yeah. And they got that Ryan Herrera kid who I guess was like MLB.com writer, um, you know, be going to games more. And then they have like Jared Willis and all these other people kind of, kind of mixing in. So I think that's kind of how they're, they're, they want younger people that are like, you know, and then like some more experienced people and some broadcast people kind of mix in that way. So are they already credentialed? Because you ran into well, that, for, right? Trying to get yeah, the athletic credential at the beginning. Yeah, it was uh, bull or Bulls and Blackhawks were really tough with that, um, and it was a big drain on my like time and my. I wasted too much time getting mad about it, 
you know, just being pissed off when I should have, we should have just been working. Baseball was fine because of Sahadev. I think I would have been okay anyway, but um, like the Cubs were cool with us. White Sox should be in the White Sox a little bit, yeah. but uh, because Sahadev is in Baseball Writers Association of America, um, you, when, when, a, when an outlet has a BBWA writer, then that basically gets everyone credentialed. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of like the general rule. And so that was like a big help for us. Bears were mostly fine. They were trying. They were limiting us a little bit, but not nothing crazy. And that was a terrible bear season oh, when we yeah. launched in 2016. That yeah. was awful. <laughs> it was. It was real. It was like. Um, I mean, I went to a couple of road games. I went to like the Texans game and the Cowboys game, and I think that was about it. <laughs> John Fox at his at his checked out greatest. Oh, Did he man. even go to all the games? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, is that Sunday? What time? Uh, how about I, how about I can make it like one thirty, coach? You're gonna have to be there the whole time. All right, fine. I don't, I don't think anyone like I don't think when Fox was done, anyone was anyone around him was like, man, how's he gonna handle retirement? <laughs> <laughs> He's pre-retired midway through the 2015 season. Man, how's John gonna do this without working? He's gonna be it's gonna be terrible. Started like, wearing <laughs> started wearing flip flops to practice, and they got a pretty good idea that. He was already on his way out. Well, those remember his last one of his last press conferences was about uh, the monkey that his brother killed. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh, Gidget. <laughs> so one of the things I asked Kevin was, I said that it was yesterday. I said, "Did you guys do a Cub podcast today?" So what's going on right now? And I said, well, "How long is it?" He said, "It's an hour." I said, "Well, you've." You guys just did, you're in the process of doing more live Cub coverage than Marquee will do today. <laughs> and on a normal day, apparently, they're going to do a podcast and a pregame and a postgame. Other than, a lot the, of work. That, will be, that will be more live stuff than Marquee will do other than the game itself. Yes. Do you think, Marquee, do you work, think the Cubs might be hesitant to credential them? Just because no, they have of that? To because, of ba- because of Baseball Writers Association. Oh, okay. They so they don't have to. Have yeah, they don't. And that really wouldn't either. affect the, you know, they're still going to do the same amount of coverage regardless of that stuff, the shoulder stuff. Right. They don't need a person and, and in the park to do that. And their GM actually came from, uh, came from Marquee. They're like producer. Oh. Like the guy in charge. Um, so yeah, so he, he actually was working at NBC Sports Chicago and then he was at Marquee. And so he helped launch. I don't know if that's like a positive. He wants to. I don't know if he wants it on his resume. If you want Marquee on there, just, <laughs> what's this gap? Were you unemployed? No. Well, no. <laughs> Never mind. I don't. I don't want I to talk on, about it. It was this small media project. No one watched. <laughs> it was mostly just tennis and uh, small college basketball. Did when you were there? Did they have? Um... He, I asked, just from the stuff I'd seen, I'm like, can you do more than one podcast at a time? He's like, oh, yeah, we got three studios. I said, okay, well, because that was my concern was if you do everything live on YouTube, you only have four chairs, but apparently they have, they have well, they other have, rooms. Yeah, but it's only like one, that, that one backdrop, though. That's it. That's like their main stage, and they have like two or three other rooms. In yeah, there. he said they have two little rooms. He was, he was live from Studio B when I interviewed him. Which was a conference room, I think, with a chair right. in it. Right. So like basically two conference rooms plus their main stage. Yeah. The main stage. Um I yeah, I don't I, I'm like, you know, I guess their podcasts are doing really well. I checked their chartable uh charts because that's their their guy showed me. Um and those are doing well because they bought the the podcast. They bought like this Cubs related 
I, I've never heard of that one, but there's like a million Cubs podcasts. That I don't, yes. n- none of which I listen to, including ours. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I don't. I don't Wait, you guys I don't, have I don't a really you guys do. have a Cubs podcast? I didn't know. Right. I, I don't. I just I don't listen to a ton of podcasts right now. But um, you know, I know they're bare. They, they bought the Chicago Audible YouTube channel too. That's Nick Moreno, who I taught at DePaul, and uh, I think Will Dewitt. I don't know, you know, who owned it or if they owned it or what, but so they they come in with like audiences already, which is pretty smart. I mean, you know, they bought, they bought the Bulls HQ, I think, that one with uh, the Australian guy. Well, that's why they didn't so, come to me. They couldn't afford Decipio. No, like come on, Decipio is a legacy brand. It is. This is twenty fifth anniversary of Decipio. Did you know that? Jesus Christ, yeah. that's a long time. Dude. Wasted more than half my life. You were the- Wait, and it's kind of funny when people that don't know who you are, like, you make a joke. You know what I mean? Like, you go slightly viral, and people are like, who the fuck is this <laughs> Who the guy? fuck is this guy? I was like, this guy, I remember, it happened recently. I was like, you know, this guy's been tweeted, he's been, has a, had a website about the Cubs since, like, 1997. Yep. So, like, I think he's got, I think his street cred is, is you know. Well, the best is when I, it, typically what happens is I tweet something mean about the Cubs, and then Cub fans come after me. Well, you clearly you don't you don't root, you'll follow the Cubs. No, I don't. You're right. You got yeah. me. <laughs> I've never written or talked about them ever. Right, like you know, you and I were talking about there's there, there's you could be almost a study of Cubs fans, like you know whether they like Paul Sullivan or whether they don't like Paul Sullivan. Yeah. Shows like when they started, you know, that's like the people who started following the team before the rebuild, you know, or yeah. even before like let's say like 2010, you know, something like that. And then, like, the people after that who, like, don't, you know, they only know, the people who only know the Cubs from Twitter. That's probably what it is. It's, like, people be. who followed the Cubs before Twitter and people who followed the Cubs, like, after we should, what's What's Jane Goodall up to these days? She could do it. She could study them. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of people. You, you Still, when you make fun of the Ricketts, occasionally you'll get somebody who'd be like, you know, they brought the, they brought the first world championship in 100 years, and this is the thanks you give them? So, yes. This is the thanks yeah, we give them. They killed their. They should have been able to dine out on that goodwill for twenty five years, and they pissed it away in two. So no, yeah, we don't. We don't have like to be short, nice to them on short term budget stuff. Yeah. Like they could have blown it out for a few years, yeah. and then you know you blow it out, it doesn't work, and no one's gonna, no one's gonna complain. No, and it. I mean, they just did the weirdest stuff. Like when they clearly reined Theo's budget in on with him unaware. <laughs> It told him, by the way, remember we told you, but it's not going to be that anymore. And then he couldn't even, like, it, it, the Cubs missed the opportunity where, that's what the lockout is about right now, right? Where the whole middle class of baseball players couldn't get paid. There was no money for them. And the Cubs had all these opportunities to pick these undervalued guys off who could help them. And they literally didn't, they, Theo didn't, wasn't allowed to spend any money on them. You end up with Daniel Descalso. That's what you get. <laughs> yeah, God. It's. What a missed opportunity. And people ask me that all the time. Like, how the hell did this not work? And uh, I got to really like, it's so tough when you're like covering it day to day and you can see why it didn't work. You know what I mean? And then trying to like take it out to like a big picture. I need like Wright Thompson to come in or something. I mean, I think like the the shorthand for it was that they had the plan where they they spent on pitching, they drafted position right. players that could move fast. Then they started drafting pitching. And the whole idea was as the position players get better and expensive, we'll backfill with all these young arms and they couldn't develop a single fucking one, not one. 
<laughs> and their whole plan went to crap because all of a sudden they were still having. Well, we got to get Cole Hamels well, now, and then and then, we, then we don't have anybody else. We got to we got to pick up Cole's option, and now we don't have any money to do anything else. And then the position players didn't develop. You know, they thought Addison Russell was going to be an MVP, and he turns into like a disaster as a you know on and off the field. Yeah. You know, and that you know Schwarber didn't quite develop as you know I, he didn't develop as much as they wanted, but like. Russell would have been what they wanted, then it wouldn't have mattered if yeah. Schwarber wasn't wasn't quite, you know. And then Jason Hayward was was a, you know, we I think Jason Hayward got probably one of the nicest treatments, you know, compared for his ability because they won it that year. He was awful, you know. I think people were pretty like everyone's, you know, people will say he sucks, but then everyone's like, no, but yeah, but he gave the speech and yeah. he's you know a good defensive player, and and now it's like there's he has no value at all. He's been a He's been nothing but a drain on the payroll <laughs> with occasional flashes of, and everybody wants him to do well. So he'll have a hot streak right, for like yeah. three weeks. Like, aha, he figured it out. It's like, no, it's three weeks. And, you know, like his, his pandemic numbers pan- look good right? because right. He, he only had 60 games and the one hot streak at the beginning carried his numbers for the whole year. And like, see, he figured it out. He's like, he didn't trust me. No. He didn't figure anything out. He had his That's normal season, point. except the season ended before it could all go to shit. It makes me happy, at least, that people, like, you know, in terms of how nasty it can get in Chicago, that, like, people didn't really, like, everyone was was really rooting for him to do well. And it just, you know, it hasn't happened. I really thought they should have, like, and I wrote this at the end of the last, they should just, they should have just DFA, you know, just released him and just eaten the money. I mean, that's what they should have done. And just, especially, he also, like, it, it was a lot quieter than Rizzo, but he also explained why he wouldn't get vaccinated. And it wasn't in like a press conference, I guess. Sada told me it was because he missed it. It was just guys talking to him on the field. And it was like a, a really rambling, like nonsense. And like no one really gave him too much shit for it because yeah. it was just like no one cared. Yeah, I mean, he is the ultimate good timing award where he had <laughs> he had a great series against the Cubs in the playoffs in 2015. He had an opposite field home run that Theo's like, oh my god, he could do that every time here. Signed that contract, was awful, but on a great team where they didn't need him, and it all got, you know, I was like, it would be nice if this guy would hit, but what the hell, we're 103 games in the World Series. I I should find my, because like one of the big, first big features I did for the Athletic was on Hayward, because he had his press conference, like, after I'd already agreed to work there, but before it launched, and so I just got a bunch of stuff and saved it. And it was like Jed saying, like, you know, this is the modern baseball player. <laughs> like, remember all this? Because yeah, yep. he had that really, he had that, uh, what was it? What was the stat he had that was really good? I forget. It was like one of those, analyt- one of the metrics, like, that he was like, oh, man, look at this. Yeah. And like, yeah, it didn't work. It didn't work so much. No. That's always a good sign. They, um, John Malley immediately changed his swing. The first day of spring training. Yeah. That should be a lot of confidence in your, uh, well, that, in your the guy wait. you just signed. Don't worry, we'll fix it. It's like, uh, why does he need fixing? Heard... We're paying him $25 million a year. And I guess Maley got in trouble with Theo because he was quoted by someone saying, as soon as they signed him, is Maley being like, oh, yeah, I know what's wrong with the swing and I'm going to fix it. And Theo's like, you don't go to the media before you talk to the player about his swing. Like, it's just not, you know, it's not done. Um, so yeah, that was that was one of me. <laughs> I think Maley's with the Angels now. But, yeah. Hey, this would it would not be a podcast without one of the dogs. Luke, do you have a point? No. 
Yeah. All right. Thanks. Yeah. Usual. The joys. This is why they don't let Chuggo guys do the podcast <laughs> from home. Do you have any dogs? I only have four. Oh, good. That'll be everything will go great. Oh, yeah. The other thing I remember what I was going to ask about the because you got the tour of Chuggo was do they have like a, a place in the back where they can all spend way too much time on their facial hair? Because there's a lot of mustaches and weird goatees. <laughs> I, I described, uh, I, I said K Duck looks like a rockabilly youth pastor. <laughs> <laughs> he's like slick back hair and long sideburns and a denim shirt. And he just, you know, he just wants to rap with some kids about Jesus. <laughs> about, uh, they do. They, they uh, are very well. It's a, you know, because Nick Moreno, one of the Bears guys, he's got like a Shams thing going on. Uh, he has very, very well groomed and young. A uh, hoax going to need to grow like a handlebar. Like a handlebar mustache should be good. You know, and then you got Vinny. He's got to keep the mustache because of, or grow it back because Eloy loves it so much. Did he have to shave it? I think he did end up shaved. I think he shaved, didn't he? I don't know. I don't know. I, I felt like he did, and he cut his hair. But uh, I think so I you know, to... NBC, Sport, NBC Sports made him cut his hair. I remember that. Oh, well. When it, yeah, which is weird. Um, and then he did have the – you know, the funniest thing, though, was going on the Zooms and Eloy's delight in his mustache. Like, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't like a manufactured thing. Like, Eloy was really excited about his mustache every time he came on, uh, which was great. Um, yeah, so – I think we we talked about it, right? About how there's not a little, there's kind of one demographic among all the people who work at Chuggo, and you know they there's a lot of a lot of same. I think now there's some diversity, yeah. but there's not that much diversity. Yeah, they're gonna. The thing it's it's all a good idea, and I, it seems like I said their podcast seems like they're doing really well, and they've got like an established an established audience. But yeah, I, I even told that to one of the people in charge. I'm like, just be prepared to change things up. You know, don't like be, that's, you know, one thing I really learned is to be flexible about, you know, how you put, how you do things, what kind of story ideas you want. You know, we were going to be heavy. I remember when Adam and Alex recruited me, it was like, going to be really heavy, like analytics and stuff. And we still do a lot of that. You know, obviously Sahadev was, was a big part of that, but you know, I mean, features became like our bread and butter, you know, weekly Cubs columns on Mondays. Um, I heard that's what really grew the site. You know, and that bothers me that we let you go. I mean, it was not you, it was everyone. It was all the freelancers, basically. They, they kind of got rid of almost, almost everyone. Um, and even some of the people that stuck around for like another year where I ended up leaving, you know, once, especially once like pandemic layoffs happened, but your stuff didn't get a lot of subscriptions, but it got a ton of readers. And like, (laughs) oh my God. People people up top though were like couldn't believe how many like your like how regular the readers were. Yeah. Like it was a steady like number every time. But the comments, oh my god, yeah. those are amazing. It was an amazing comment section. Well, I mean I kind of figured that in hindsight, you know, when they yes, when they finally fixed the glitch and they un Milton Wadhams me and said, We're still paying this guy. Um then the pandemic hit and what was I going to write about for? Yeah, you could have done it. That's the thing. You could have done it. Like we should have kept you and Will. I uh, not Will. I mean, Will to a point, but Stefan, 
and like Dirk and people like that that really helped. Um, it was a fun crew when we had all those people. Uh, but the cup of coffee was, was hilarious. Sometimes, you know, honestly, a lot of times it's the best writing, you know, for the week, you know, at least in terms of actual writing. Um, they're so fun. There's some that are so funny. Um, you did, you only got on the radar once for something bad. And that was like, it was something with like, I think you said like something about Yachty and like, I don't know. You hope he died or something. No, I didn't. <laughs> it was hope, something real- I didn't hope Yachty would die. What I, what I remember what I got in trouble for. He got, it's when he got hit, he had to have surgery because he got hit in the balls right. and he got a hematoma on his testicles. And right. my tweet, I think, was pretty tame, except a couple of Cardinal fans got super pissed and right. started cluing in, started uh, bringing people from the athletic. Yeah. And it was when I was, uh, when I first started writing, Josias Manzanillo got hit with a line drive and fractured his testicles. And I thought it was hilarious. And now 20 years later, I've proven that I've grown. It's still hilarious. That's what. That's all I wrote. I didn't wish. Right. I didn't even wish that Yadi would lose a testy. I was a little yeah, upset I, that I got called on the carpet for that because I was like, "That's not. It wasn't that bad. I mean, it wasn't nice anything. about Yadi." I, I, I said something to you, but did anyone else say anything to you? you no, I knew. No, I never. I, didn't, I knew I didn't get in trouble. You told me, and just the fact that. The, these two yahoos on Twitter had gotten right. had alerted somebody in the athletic headquarters. That I was like, yeah, like no one was like super mad. They're just kind of like, yeah, like borderline. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, he's funny. He's a funny writer. It's just kind of that he's thing. A, he's him. a funny guy. Just leave him alone. Yeah, we don't really have that anymore. I don't know. We have funny people, but we don't really have that. Like, that's a tough sensibility, though. You know, and I think it's like. It, there's so much to write about like the death of blogs almost and Twitter and like how Twitter's replaced so much. Yeah. Like it's replaced the game story, right? No one game stories because everyone tweets the game story, like one tweet at a time. Yeah. You know, 50,000 people are tweeting what's going on every second of the game. Funny blogs. There's not too many anymore of people being funny. No, just, uh, just the pointless exercise newsletter. Subscribe. Subscribe today. Subscribe today. Um, you're sure if you're listening, you're subscribed. Uh, no, I can't be because mm-hmm. I've got more. I've got more listeners than subscribers. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess people don't really want to pay for it. People, yeah. Pay some for people, news. Some people don't pay like for to write pay. it. I, somebody was complaining. I don't remember what it was about. Somebody was complaining. So a, a reporter put out it was a Bulls game story, and I, one of the replies was took till the fourth paragraph before you put the score. And I thought you didn't know if they won or not by the time you read the post the post game story. You didn't need the. That's where you go to find the score. What are you, seventy-five years old? Go complain about something else. I mean, my favorite all time though was uh, there was a Cubs had a West Coast game. Phil Rogers was uh, filling in on the beat. wasn't just doing his general baseball stuff. And then the Tribune the next day, Phil got the score wrong, which you know that happens. But he also got the team that won wrong. <laughs> and I thought, okay, that's on two people. That's on Phil, and that's on whoever edited this before they threw it up there. But uh, I was like, that was great. God, whatever happened? Is Phil still on Twitter? Did I follow him? Yeah, no, well, I follow him, and I, he says yet to block me, which I find. I mean, I just, he probably doesn't know how. Um, well, he's still pumping out articles for Forbes. I don't know how much he has to pay him, but he's, he's they still let him write stuff. God, we should do like a retrospective on everyone who's worked in this market <laughs> in our auxiliary press box uh, podcast. I remember when Phil thought he was DMing somebody at the athletic and 
basically asked if he could ha- if he could be considered for the Brewers beat writer job in a tweet. Oh wow! He actually <laughs> asked me about that. He he emailed me specifically about that, and I I re- I didn't like. You know, I gave him. A, I was like, yeah, this guy's been doing it forever. He's yeah, got a good relationship with Bud Selig. I thought it was funny you know, like, that he didn't. That he clearly thought that he had sent a DM, and right. He's not. Not everybody can be Bruce Levine on Twitter and just have have it all down pat. <laughs> so I've got an idea for you guys. And now that you've you've saw Chuggo headquarters, and I know the Athletic never never got an office. No. You guys, now that the New York Times own you, what do you think? You guys should buy Matt Nagy's house. Right. <laughs> and that can be, be the Athletic headquarters. I'm going to suggest that. It's super convenient for me. I I live like you know probably 25 minutes Is it? away from like, him. Yeah, I'm probably like 25 minutes south of him. Wouldn't take um, that much. You'd have to you'd have to fix the you know the his indoor basketball court has an N on the key. You'd need to change that to an A. But it's kind of the right. same font. My favorite part of that whole because you could take the you know the little real estate tour. It wasn't the fact that the the stupid play sheets on the wall was really a thing. Like I was naive enough to think that he just did that for the draft, but he probably did. But it stayed. Right. Was that one of the showers? Has the cut has the bare sea in tile? Weird. And I and what, I, what I pictured was, you remember the scene in Arrest Development where Tobias has got all the blue on and he's crying in the shower. I pictured Nagy crying in front of the sea one night before he got fired. You know, I, and I'm the person that got that going because another, one of my followers emailed me and was like, I you know sometimes I mean, the guys like I'm just like searching for houses, million dollar houses in the suburbs I can't afford. Yeah. And he's like, I just came upon this. Then I didn't do a good job of like doing the pictures like that branding guy did, and I just tweeted out the link. Um, that is that's a what you see. He bought it for two point eight, and they're trying to sell it for, for six point like two. Yeah, I mean they didn't put that much work into it. He didn't like. That's a crazy ask, six million dollars. I mean I know the market's like whatever, but up here, that's like. I mean, I don't know how much Jordan's house is ever going to get. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, six is a lot, man. It's so fun. It's so naggy, though. Like, how cheesy, like, the Bears posters yep. in the movie theater. Like, and you know that's not his wife. That's him. Yeah. That's totally him with all the Bears stuff everywhere. I just looked but at I feel it back. thought, God, that's a lot of white carpet. You know, do they have a dog? Or a, they have kids? How is the carpet so. still white? I think they have a dog, too. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've seen pictures of him with it. Um, I feel bad for his family that they have to move out of that house because he's so bad. <laughs> he was yeah. such a bad... Yeah, like, oh, this is so the bad. sweetest house ever. What do you mean we got to go like, back to Kansas City? Oh. Is, like, I, have to be curious. The thing I was most upset about was he didn't even let Larry Wisdom put it on the... List it? <laughs> the guy gave him his whole... His whole career is thanks to Larry Wisdom letting him go to Eagles camp to be an intern. That's that house is like I you know like if you could really go back through like comb through the uh oh god what's the Tribs guy's name that does all the, the real estate you know oh, Bob Goldsboro no no Bob Goldsboro oh not, the, not the architectural brilliance of the Navy <laughs> House the actual real estate <laughs> is, you know Gold Goldsboro always has like the the sales I don't think one Bears player since I've lived here has ever sold their house for like even close to what they paid for it. They all get, they all lose a ton of money. It's so funny. Well, and the worst is like in the in college towns when some high paid 
like basketball coach will build this huge house. The only person he can sell it to is the next basketball coach. If that guy doesn't like it, he's screwed. He can never sell it. They have to turn into a retirement home because they're never going to be, nobody's ever going to live in it. That's like Jordan's house. Like he must have, once the Bulls like left Chicago, left the suburbs, you know, it's really just like Justin Fields now. Can they get Justin Fields to buy this house when he gets the second contract? If he gets the second contract, like no one else could afford it except a quarterback. Savvy. So I don't know if you know. I saw this. Bob Nightingale is getting all optimistic again about the end of the lockout. So I think we're in good shape. I, I would suspect okay. Friday pitchers and catchers again because Bob. <laughs> thinks so. But I was thinking, who's the most depressed guy when the lockout ends? I it, doesn't it have to be whoever is the guy who takes pictures of padlocks on baseball equipment? I mean, well, that guy has made a did... shitload of money from stock photos. I did the story on that guy. That was and like I've not been writing as much lately. I don't know. Was he, was he concerned about the lockout ending? No, he's he told me he's got some ideas for when. Oh well, yeah, you should have. He's he's, some, there has to be a second set where the padlock is unlocked. Is off. There you exactly. go. Exactly. Like it's a guy who's a just a freelance photographer in Brownsburg, Indiana, and he said they work for uh, whatever site it was, whatever like the yeah, like the photo services. Yeah, it's like people that provide it to Getty. Like you know, it's like almost like a middleman. He said. You know, the, I talked to the boss a little bit, and um, guys like, "Hey, do these photos." And he told me the NHL during the NHL lockout, like you know, 2004, or whatever it was. He saw, he remembered a couple like of those, and I can only find one with like a puck and a lock. And so this guy's the one, first one that got it done. And so he, the first guy, got it done. He went to his park, his like little league park in Brownsburg. I mean, which is where um, there's a couple baseball players from there, but. Uh, and then a couple other guys ended up doing it too. Now the guy that really advanced the genre was the guy who got the lock tightly around the base. That's right. Yeah, that's you the, know, he was building the, on. With, he's the Ansel Adams of lockout right. photo. Right. My guy had the had the you know the, the bat like the artistic uh, you know long photo of the bat and uh, the plate the the chain wrapped around the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, he said people were looking at him a little weird, but uh, yeah, so he was. Yeah, that was my big interview of the lockout with, with the photographer who did the stock photos. But yeah, um, I don't, you know, you know what's funny about Bob, just to go on Bob Nightingale thing? He's one of the guys that's like, his social media reputation and his personality is so much different than his like real life one. Because real life, he's like a fun guy to talk to. He's like a good dude to talk to at a game. Um, he's definitely a guy who you're going to find at like Murphy's after a game. Like maybe during the game, but um, you know, and then down at the one bar they all go to on uh, on Rush Street. Um, but he's he's one of the guys that is different though, because Bob's like a nice guy and fun guy. It's just on Twitter, it's like, you know, he, I don't know if he's made for Twitter or not made for Twitter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is he is he perfect for Twitter, or is he just not perfect for Twitter? Yeah, because I only really knew him for two things. One, he talks through his nose, and. <laughs> yeah. He has Dusty Baker on speed dial. So whenever yeah. Dusty needed defending from the media for anything, Bob was, right. they'd throw up the Bob, the Nightingale sign, and uh, and he would get to work. Well, you know what's funny, too, is, and people that don't really follow this stuff like we do will think that he's, like, so pro-owner or something or pro, like, you know, white players, white owners, but he's, like, he fits in with everyone, man. He's got, like, he's got such a good rapport with, like, literally everyone in baseball, like, you know, obviously you get a ton of stuff from Ryan Sorf, 
you know, that's been like, that was always his thing is, you know, when he, he was the one that got Larusa first and everyone thought he was, it was wrong. To, yeah. You know, that was like wrong. Bob. Right. Cause I don't know. Bob's wrong, wrong again. Yeah. Right, right. Well, here's Bob. This foolish. But it was actually. Confirmed. Jerry Manuel part. back to the White Sox. Right. And the funny part was, is that like everyone else was like, no, our, our contacts said it's not true. And that's because his source was Jerry yeah. and their source was everyone else in the front office who didn't including, want to. Including Rick Hunt. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it was like, no, don't worry. No, I'll talk to Yuri out of that. Don't worry about it. Wait a minute, what? You've already signed him? Oh, good. Do we check to see if he has any any uh, active legal matters in Arizona? We didn't? Okay, good. That's not a problem. That shouldn't, that shouldn't affect us. <laughs> <laughs> so one of my, here's a legit question, Mr. Sports okay. You could tell me. Um, I'm really surprised that major league teams haven't physically moved the minor leaguers into the major league camp and would just like play games in the big, in Sloan park. It don't, don't charge the same amount, but it's like, aren't yeah. And when they're talking about, well, they're going to, they're not going to be able to show any spring training games or whatever. It's like, are you telling me Marquis wouldn't want to show the Cub minor leaguers playing somebody else's minor league. And I know those games can be tedious because they, although they kind of right. did it with spring training a couple of years ago where you could roll the innings and you had pitch counts, you were pulling guys out or whatever, but it's better than nothing. Is it just a yeah, good I faith thing so far? I think, I think it's a good faith thing. Yeah. I think that, you know, it, it's one of the things where the union could, could argue like, you know, replacement players type stuff. Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, it has, I don't know if Marquis been showing clips from this minor league camp. Probably they'll probably show it in like three weeks. They're probably taping. They're working on it. They're working on a package. (laughs) They'll show it in like a month. Um, Yeah. I mean, people, you know, people want their Pete Crow Armstrong. They need their Pete Crow Armstrong. I want to talk to his parents about heroes, which I, you know, and why heroes went downhill after the first season. You know, both his parents met. They didn't meet on heroes. That's right. They were both on heroes. That's right. I did know that. Yeah. they, They were already together. And then they got cast in heroes, which I love the first season. It wasn't his um, wasn't his dad, maybe I'm not thinking the right guy, wasn't his dad on the office? He was the closeted congressman that Angela had the affair with Oscar while Angela was dating him? It's late. When you're some, when late you're office crazy, when I've, people stopped watching. But I dude, I've never I've seen a few episodes I've never watched The Office. Oh no. I know. I'm like it's one of those like pop culture things. I don't know how I missed it and I just missed it and just never caught up. Like I missed the beginning of it and just just didn't do it. So yeah, so my hero, I, I like have very limited uh, TV knowledge. Oh no, no different one guy. is one of them. Different guy, I was wrong. I thought his dad was one of the other characters. So yeah. never mind. Maybe we could do like it. Marquis should do like a hero season one rewatch. He should with Pete Crow Armstrong. No, that, they don't want to put anything on people might accidentally watch. <laughs> right, they're, they're just gonna put. You know what's funny about Marquis though, and what they put on is there's a quote somewhere and I can't find where it was but there was crane saying something like you know i, I might even be asking him like about college basketball and stuff and he's like well yeah but you know we want to make sure we don't just want to put anything on we want to make sure it lives up to our brand he really said this. <laughs> like like you know like yeah notre dame they would put on but not like instead it's like the missouri valley conference is like eighth best game yes and like women's vo- acc women's volleyball oh uh, they then some weird like second tier tennis circuit. It's like, what the hell is on? 
See, like the Virginia Slims tour is not thing Come anymore. on, Why is this... <laughs> no, Prevagen it's is going to cut off. Is going to going to cut off the <laughs> spigot here at some point. You know, start showing something good. The most annoying thing is when they, is their terrible taste in classic games that they play. Oh, really? They even play. They've played one where the Cubs lost. It's like <laughs> I get enough of that during the real season. I don't need this. They have like three or four games from 1996. Nobody, I, I was, I watched in 1996 and didn't want to watch. I'm not going to rewatch now, 26 years later. They should really punish the fans and put like the whole 2004 season on. They should. That would be a Well, honestly, idea. during the lockout, they should just start with the first game. For the, they should just play the whole season opening losing streak from 97. <laughs> that would actually be really funny. <laughs> like, that would do well on Twitter. Like, if they did that for all of them. And they could have Cap, like you know, maybe get maybe borrow Cap and have them live in a van. Yeah. I wrote a uh, I wrote a fake oral history of the '97 Cubs, but the Cap quotes are real. I t- I interviewed him for it, so all the player <laughs> stuff is bullshit. But his stuff, him telling the story about living in the van and all that stuff, and how he thought they were gonna they blew a lead in one game where he thought he was gonna get to go home, and he was so depressed. And then they had the rain out, but they finally had the doubleheader, and they won a game, and he got to go home. And um, he read it, and he didn't know that the player quotes were fake. And he's like, this is great. I learned so much stuff I didn't know. I'm like, well, Dave, I made most of it up. So don't take that to the bank. <laughs> wow, you fooled Cap. That's a tough, oh, that's that's a tough. Real tough. Yeah, that's, that's tough. That's true satire. <laughs> if you can fool David. It's like when I fooled, uh, did you see on Twitter, was it a couple, like a month ago or so, when I wrote that fake thing where I said Virginia McCaskey yes. said she was too old to learn new names? <laughs> <laughs> and that one goofball Chicago sports updates guy yep. and, and then someone else and then one guy got called out for thinking it's real and he's like oh I knew it was fake mm-hmm. I just thought it was funny yeah, sure okay did. right sure, yeah. sure did. like you guys really thought that was real that she wouldn't let, like that's how they run things they're like well that shows how silly how bad the bears are I'm like no it really doesn't no, it just shows you guys are just a funny joke yes kind of funny um so they <laughs> it is funny how during this lockout with the players and owner, the owners refusing to give in just a little bit to get the freaking season started, they'll still announce things like, hey, we've got an exclusive deal with Apple TV for doubleheaders on Fridays. <laughs> like, that's because everybody's in the mood to pay extra to watch games that aren't going to happen. That's great. And how, yeah, how financially torn are, you know, are you really in that bad of financial straits? What do you keep? Selling packages to new well, TV right. partners, and and, and the Ricketts and the Ricketts family are looking to buy Chelsea. Yeah, that's that can be great. I hope it happens just because you know to see if like they're going to be hated like in Chicago and then hated in England. Oh, they absolutely will be. The um, uh, oh, people are going to crush him if he if they did that. I I guess they'd only be a part of it. It wouldn't be like I think it's you know I think Sky Sports said Ken Griffin was like a guy they were trying to. You know, get to spend his money. Oh, that's what they're. Uh, I mean, the, the kids are good at spending other people's money. Like, yeah, usually yeah. dad, but they find other old guys they can trick. Old conservative guys. <laughs> that was my joke about the only the only thing standing in the way was they had to convince Joe that uh, Chelsea's not named after Bill and Hillary's daughter. <laughs> what are we buying? I'm not buying that. No. Dad, it's not the same. So one of the things I'm, I'm, what kind of moratorium is there? Like literally, like teams can't talk to agents, right? 
Right. Can. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think they can. Yeah, but don't I, you think we're gonna that. we're gonna run into a thing just like when just like Arturus and the lockout's gonna lift and somebody's gonna have like four contracts all lined up in the first five minutes. Right. I don't. You know what? Like you think that? But then Hopefully like, they're savvy enough think- to at least wait to announce them. I, I would think that too, but you've seen how signings go in major. Now these owners want to spend money. You know, that's the thing. Like the NBA, they have to spend money because, you know, there's revenue sharing. Like yeah. they get, there's a certain amount of money NBA teams get. And that's why they have, they literally have to. We've seen in baseball, they just don't want to. Like owners do not want to spend money. They hate their, they hate, they hate the game. They hate their jobs. They hate paying these guys. And like they've set up a financial system that like, it's so fucked. It doesn't reward anyone, yeah. right? It doesn't reward the players because by the time they're eligible to be free agents, they're like twenty nine, and then the teams don't want to spend money on these guys because they don't as free agents because they don't think they're worth it. Yeah, so like no one's really rewarded. That's why I the other day I blamed the whole lockout on Theo. You know, he spent. You're right. I read that. Yeah, he right. basically taught owners that you shouldn't be spending money on these guys. It's better to right. find somebody who's eighty percent as good and pay him a quarter as much. And here's the spreadsheet that proves it'll work. And it's not his fault that they all learned the wrong lesson from what he was trying to do. Right. And you know, it's, it's kind of, I was thinking about say Ben Strauss read the story for the Washington post about the different kind of lockout coverage and like how now it's very pro player, almost to like a fault where people aren't even questioning like the union and the people in charge of the union. Um, But, you know, and I was thinking about that and like, for a while, it was like every fan wanted to be an executive, right? And they were all just analyzing players. And they still do, people still do it, but like, oh, this guy can't do this, and he can't do this, and he can't do that. And it's just, they shouldn't pay him anything because he you know, strikes out. You know, now it's not strikes out too much, but now it's whatever. And now it's turned into everyone's like, you know, everyone's like uh, so pro labor. It's like, pay them whatever they want. And the owners kind of did that to themselves with sort of like, just this cheapness and people just want to fans just want an exciting, like free agency, right? People want like trades and they want big signings and they want something to talk about. And there was no salary cap. And I don't know. I'm rambling, but baseball is just, I don't think it's as fucked as people are making it sound like. And I wrote that last week because baseball's all, it's all local. Yeah. Like this idea that people have is like, Oh, kids aren't watching. It's these numbers are this be like, yeah, because it's fucking national games. And that's what everyone's talking about the ratings for these national games. The national games aren't, they're not like created to get people interested in baseball, just to get big markets in there for ratings, right? It's just to show Red Sox and Yankees fucking every other day. The Cardinals or even the Cubs are fucking, have been terrible. You know, that's the, the way you can figure out if baseball is good is like look at the local markets and see like, you know, our kids paint. Like, if you go to a Cubs and Sox game, there's a fucking million kids there. Yeah. And that's the thing I always, people are like, well, only old people okay. like baseball. It's like, well, then how come when you go to games, there's kids everywhere? Because they hate, they hate yeah. it. They were forced there. No, they're there because they want to be there. Right. And it's, there's no national, like when we were younger, we were fans of other players, right? Outside yeah. of our markets because of baseball cards. And later on, because of video games. Yeah. You know, if you had Ken Griffey Jr., you, you know, you, you maybe became a big fan. And the baseball what? Like, I liked. Right, like right, the base, yeah, and the, right. All that programming that because there wasn't anything else to watch, or like you know, anything to do but like play with baseball cards. Now there is, but like let's say I was, I remember I liked the White Sox from from growing up in Ohio as my AL team, right? I like Frank Thomas, I like the uniforms, mm-hmm. like the silly shit. But guess what? How many times I actually watched the White Sox play? Right, 
like what twice a year maybe like my younger brother is a huge Ken Griffey Jr. fan because of baseball cards yeah did he ever, ever did we ever get Mar- right, right. When, when, when would I watch the Mariners in Steubenville Ohio never you know never like so it's a little bit like skewed on how people are talking about who's a fan now and you know whatever because like I said if you want to make young kids fans we'll put together good teams like how many kids like your generation, my wife's generation, you know, that grew up in Chicago, I'm saying, became fans because they, well, you were before 84 Cubs, but like the generation became yeah, 84 Cubs. Yeah, but I mean, Cubs I was, reason. I mean, the first game I remember going to was 80. So 84 was right. Yeah. I was 11 years old in 84. That's like the perfect age that for the Cubs the to suddenly be good. Yeah. And then go right back. And to 80, right. And then 89 and you know, you know, 98 obviously created a lot of fans. 2003, those are the generations like, the 05 White Sox, I mean, I just from living in the city at the time, before that team, you never saw White Sox stuff yeah. of people walking around the city, just in like late in Old Town and in, in Lincoln Park where I live. And then after that, you saw, I mean, you saw a decent amount of White Sox stuff. And like, you know, I'm sure this team now is creating young White Sox fans, especially in like the South Side and South Suburbs. So like, that's how you create fans is put together fucking good yeah. teams. Like, I'm from Pittsburgh. Think about the generations they lost. Mm-hmm. Of fans, like I grew up when I was like in middle school as the 90, 91, 92 Pirates. I became a huge fan, and then literally they didn't make they didn't have a winning season from when I was thirteen until I was thirty three with two kids, you know, thirty four with two kids. So like, you know, that's how the Pirates are are terrible. Like, you don't need any of this other bullshit that they want to do, and like, and even Theo is not immune to it because he's doing all the research stuff and. He's telling me all what the numbers say about baseball fans. Like, it's literally not about fucking TikTok. No. Like, just put a good team together. It's people become fans because they're parents, their family, right? And the region. Like, you grew up around here where I live in Deerfield, you're going to be a Cubs fan probably. Maybe a white, maybe your parents are White Sox fans. But, like, you know, you grow up in some neighborhoods, you're going to be a Sox fan because it's around. So. And I also think it's funny that they act like if they could shave eight minutes off a game, that'll, the kids will love it then. All of a sudden, it's it's no different to me than when somehow sports ratings have become like a a thing that people report. And like, oh, the Super yeah. Bowl, more people watch the Super Bowl than ever this year. It's like, oh, good. So they're going to they're still going to have one next year then. Yeah. They didn't cancel That's it because all... the ratings were too low. It's like, why is this the thing? I don't care how many people watched it. That's that's always my running joke on Twitter when someone reports like my friends that do that stuff report ratings. I'm like, so they're not canceling the NFL. <laughs> Great. Like they're not gonna can't like people people especially love that about the NBA, right? Oh, NBA ratings are terrible. Yeah. Like, oh, they love it whenever whenever a sport starts to go down. That's the death knell for the sport, and they can't get enough of reporting that, and then it goes like, right back up again. They're like, oh well, never mind. Right. Like, oh man, the NBA ratings are terrible. Like, yeah. Did you ever think people don't want to watch basketball games played in empty gyms? Mm-hmm. Like crazy, right? That that's <laughs> that's that's not exciting to watch. Like, they're not canceling the NBA. The NBA is not going to like track it's like maybe some of their uh advertisers are going to pay less money all right i don't give a shit like it doesn't like they're still going to make it's still going to have huge tv deals yeah. well and it's like Dude. why um you know espn drove up ironically espn drove up the price on romo by trying to steal him from cbs and then trying to get peyton before him and eli agreed to do the manning family jamboree over on espn2 and then they break the bank for Troy for Aikman, they're going to pay him a million dollars a game. Amazing. Why? 
Yeah. I mean, the ratings aren't going up or down because of Troy. Do you ever not watch a game because (laughs) you might complain about the announcers, but it doesn't mean you don't watch it. I I think Troy's good, though, right? Is he pretty good? I mean, I I, I don't really. I think think Troy's fine. fine. Yeah, Um, he's fine. I I joke that I I got a new respect for him because I was was just kind of there. But whenever him and Joe would do. Bears games, especially after the first year of Nagy, he could not hide his disgust at Mitch yeah. and Nagy. He just couldn't. Yeah. And I loved it because he's it feeling the exact same thing we are, except he's actually saying it. We got the opposite, right, with Romo this year when Ryan oh. Pace spent the whole, his former his former college teammate spent the whole night before pumping up how this good young core and all this stuff and we're watching them not be able to beat the Ravens without Lamar Jackson. It's right in front of us and Tony's acting like the Bears are this up and coming team. And it's like right. Tony, knock it off. Yeah, I wasn't a big Tony fan. Um and the whole predicting the play stuff, yeah, it's fine, but a lot of guys can do that. Because yeah. you watch the guys are even saying, like Aikman's even saying it's like if that's that's what we're supposed to do, you could yeah, you can tell from the formation most likely where the ball's going. I didn't think that's yeah. what we were supposed to do. No, and I don't care. Like where the, I know I want to see where the ball is going. I don't yeah. need a fucking prediction of like, oh my god, he said it's going to be a run, and it was a run. Wow, that's yeah. great. That's I just, mean, the it's, thing it's the thing with Romo is when, like, he was at his best in that crazy Bills Chiefs game. Like he was, he was on top yeah. of everything. He was right. going, but then the next week, Bengals Chiefs was a you know it was a competitive game, but it didn't have the same feel, and he was just rambling just babbling he got a situation wrong where he kept he wanted the Bengals to call timeout and it's like well they won't yeah. get the ball back it's like what it are you crazy. why are you doing this and then at one point they were going to commercial and he's like oh this is genius Andy's gonna Andy's gonna review this yeah. and like well a it's not reviewable and b he hits under two minutes he can't he can't review it anyway it, it, he's at his best when he just gets his enthusiasm yeah you know he likes football and he loves right. he loves what he's doing he likes watching that's what people you know I think are drawn to um, not the bullshit before that. And, and Aikman, you know, in a, in a dissimilar way, like you said, he's great for bad games when there's bad games and you always call people on their bullshit, yeah. which is, is what we want. Um, you know, and that's like, that's for any sport. Like, we like that. Like, you like, people, Bulls fans liked it when Stacey King was laughing at, at Jim Boylan, right? And when yeah. people were just kind of calling Jim Boylan out. And even Swirsky was getting upset on the radio. Like, you could, Swirsky was just like, <laughs> yeah, you, you guys have broken Chuck Swirsky. Make it stop. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, have you broken Chuck Swirsky, the nicest, like, most positive guy? That's when you know it's a disaster. Um, he's so happy. I'm happy for Chuck that he gets to call, like, me. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so now Amazon, it sounds like they're going to hire Kirk Herbstreet to be their Thursday night analyst. God, what, That's like, why? Because him and Fowler did two games the last two years and were adequate. People have heard of him. Yeah. People have heard of him. So, but he's, he's going to do Thursday night, then he's still going to do game day on Saturday and still going to do the Saturday night game. It's like, man, what a well, cash grab. Yeah. Amazing cash grab for him. Good for, good for Kirk Hart Street. Now, one of the things I've always wondered, cause like, you know, you learn all this stuff about like the Super Bowl, like the fact that, um, on the day of the Super Bowl, whoever is announcing it has a backup announcing team just in case. So, like, oh, if yeah. Al Michaels all of a sudden loses his voice or, you know, gets locked in the bathroom, Mike Tirico slides in. Like, for the CBS Super Bowl two years ago, Ian Eagle and Charles Davis were there even though they didn't have anything else to do. They were just there in case. And I always wonder with game day, what is there, or with uh, Herb Street, 
what is their backup if like his plane, you know, sometimes he'll do like game right. day in college station and need to get to Clemson that night for a game. Yeah. What happens if there's fog and he can't get out? Like, do they have an emergency analyst? Like, do they break glass and Jack a root comes walking out and he's like, I'm still alive. All right, let's do this. Three hours. It's like the emergency goaltender from NHL. <laughs> yeah, they just got they just pull yeah. a random announcer out of the stands. Or does, yeah, or does the guy or does whoever Fowler does you know, do it by himself? Fowler just does it by himself, right? Get like an ex football player. Find like got to be an alum somewhere that's like an ex football player in the stand somewhere. No, they must have someone. And they've call. gotten away from the like former player on the like. You know, you can't. There's no Lynn Swan on the sidelines to bring up in the booth. Instead, you know, Holly Rowe would probably be fine if they actually right. put her up there and had her do it. You know, Maybe it's that's probably like a, it's probably a thing where like if he's not if they a few hours ahead of time, you know what I mean? Then, then they call someone in. Yeah, even if it's like going to be a close call. I just wonder if they risk it or if I mean, yes, I'm going to ask Richard. They got plenty of money. Should, I, I'm going to ask Richard Deitch to find to find that out. Yeah, that'd be good. That's a good assignment for Richard. It's yeah, funny. Richard blocked me on Twitter a long time ago for oh, a, yeah. another innocuous reason. He said, um, um, oh, crap, I can't think of the guy's name. The guy who did um, uh, soccer on ESPN, he's like, isn't he the greatest? And I was like, well, no, I actually think Martin Tyler is better. And he blocked me for that, for disagreeing with him as to who it was. And then when I started writing for The Athletic, all of a sudden I was unblocked. That was nice. Yeah. It's like a... That was like a bonus. That was your bonus. <laughs> He's like, oh, fine. I guess I, I, don't know why I, I wonder why I blocked this asshole. All right, fine. Um, we'll see if he can see if he can earn my trust. And I, I managed to stay off his bad list. Sure. Sense. I'm gonna have to go soon, but before before I go, uh, what's your block list? Like who who are like some of the famous people that have blocked you? Who's blocked me? All right, so um, Bill Simmons, of course, yeah. blocked me a long time ago. Uh, Al Yellen, Al blocked me. He'd be shocked to yeah. know that. Um, I, I was not happy when we hired you. I think I got an email from him. Oh, well, that's good for Al. Um, trying to think. John Heyman. Oh yeah, that was for the. I kept retweeting his. The, his uh, he had the hashtag typo where he, he meant to put huge hits and he put huge tits. <laughs> and I would just I would tweet the screen cap at him and he blocked me. Uh, Buster, <laughs> yeah. Buster only blocked awesome. me. Okay. But that's fine. I have, I still have Rosenthal and Passan. I have all the good ones, so I don't, I don't care that I don't. Every once in a while, Heyman will have something, and I'll have to switch to a different account to see right. what everybody is like. Like, okay, oh, that's what he wrote. Well, who cares? Um, yeah, I'd locally, like, um, I think Cap blocked me for a while, but then you guys made up. Yes, he had me on. I got, I went on Sports Central with him a couple of times, and. Um, all of a sudden, I was unblocked. That was a very cap thing to do. It was, this guy is making fun of me. I will disarm him by chumming yeah. up to him and having him on the show. And the thing was, I was never, like, I, it's not that I didn't like Dave. I just enjoyed making fun of him. So I still make fun of him every bit as much, except now he knows me, and so he doesn't get upset by it. And he's got more of a sense of humor about himself than he did. Yeah. Back in the early days, like, of Twitter especially, he was really, like, yeah, he'd been doing the Cubs stuff for a long time, but he, I think, was trying to get more, like, more of a rep or whatever, like, more, you know what I mean? Like, remember, he was trying to break news for a while, and, like, you know, he was trying to, like, you know, better himself, and, like, yeah, I remember he got really mad at Powers about something. We used to, I used to make fun of him all the time, too, and then we're, you know, I'm, like, close with him now, but, like, I think, I think Caps are, like, he's a ridiculous guy, but he's a good guy. Yeah. 
I think receding hair cap was uh, angrier than bald cap. Once yeah. he gave it up and shaved his head, it's like, all right, fine. I'll, I'm fair game. I think he, Go get me. Yeah, yeah. He just seems like, he, you know, and once he got Twitter a little more and like everything else, now it's like nothing bothers him. Like you yeah. cannot make no. Cap mad. There's nothing that makes him mad, which is great. That's a great, you know, a really good attitude to have. Yeah. Um, and like I, I was telling you before, I've heard, I'll have to write this in dollars and cents, that he's got a new show coming. New show for Cap. It's not only going to be like Sports Talk Live, but. So a new, you know, a it's new studio weird, right? show at right, NBC like can, Sports Chicago. Like, I guess The Rush does well for their Facebook page, that show you and I and no one else have ever watched. Yeah. I didn't but know it existed until. Yeah. The Nagy firing. All of a sudden, that's where you went right. for updates on the coaching search. Right. Supposedly, I've heard from someone there that it, it does well. It, it engaged a lot of their people. I don't know what that means or how they actually value that. But it was weird that Cap has not been like had any real, besides the Bears postgame show. Yeah. You know, he was like the face of that network. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it was like he didn't have anything to do. Yeah. And why did they get rid of Sports Talk Live? What does it cost them? Gift cards well, that they got I, I, comped I, anyway. Well, they, they actually you know they stopped giving gift cards. Away. Well, there you go. That would be the end of it. And well, that's why that's why I stopped going on because I'm like, <laughs> you know, I got to drive downtown now. Yeah. I mean, I would still do it sometimes, but like, there was actually a huge scandal where at the at the World Series in 2016, Sully found out that some people were getting paid to go on. Oh, and obviously, me and Sully were not. Yeah. But, like, there was a group of people getting paid, and Sully started telling us about it. And he got blacklisted off the show because it was like an insurrection. I actually said, I'm not doing it. And then I felt bad. It was the early days of the athletic. I'm like, I should, I really can't say no to going on before the World Series yeah. when I'm trying to promote a website. But we were mad. Like, the people were getting paid, and we weren't. Well, I wish they bring it back because I, lo- I used to love to live tweet that. And there was, and I can't oh. think of the guy's name. There were a couple of guys that I only knew from that, like Seth Gruen. I had no idea who he was. He was on all the time. He was surprisingly available whenever Cap needed him. And there was another guy that I can't think of his name. He did radio and oh, he wrote. I know who it is. I know okay. who it is. Jason Gock. Yes. And one of my favorite no things was ones? he was on and he had a sport coat on. And at some point, he, like, lifted his hand to make a point, and he still had the tag. Like, you know, when you get a sport coat on the front, they have the big white one that's, like, sewn into it that has the size on it. It was very clear he was taking that back. <laughs> he, he went to Kohl's, and he bought an $80 blazer off the discount rack, wore it on the show, and took it back. Like, people do that for, like... <laughs> Yeah, like, like that's you do for like people do that to like <laughs> woman will buy a dress to go to a wedding, and leave the tags on it, not to go on Cap's little chat show. <laughs> actually, the funny thing is, I actually know Seth Green because he was an AP like stringer, and he would sit next to me. Uh, we used to joke though that he like must sleep backstage. <laughs> Friday. Well, he would he wouldn't have worn a sport coat because he he had the medium shirts on. He was going to show. <laughs> he was the only guy in shape yeah. on the set. He wasn't. No, yeah, that's Jack. Um, that's, man, that was, and that's the, you know, to circle back to the beginning, like I always felt very slovenly on that show. I don't have a lot of nice dress clothes. I don't, I don't wear them and, and I'm out of shape. And like, I would look at myself on TV and be like, I look like shit. And part of it was like slumping down in those chairs and you're dressed up and like, they really, so uh, Chuggo needs a table. They do. For these people, can, yes, they, they need do. the table. 
I always liked when I would do the location sports talk lives because we always had a table, like a little like like a prompt thing. We're sitting on high chairs, you know, so you're already kind of looking up. I felt I looked better. I, if I were them, I would I would switch to the table. Yeah. That's my no. I agree. It's, my it was literally one of the first things design. I thought of, especially since they have to do like host reads and stuff, and so they've got their laptops right. in front where they're looking stuff up, yeah. and so they're literally like they have their. It's like being on an airplane. They have their hands like right in front yeah. of them, and they're trying to type. It's like, yeah, it's a bad look for, for the common. But man, some of those going back to sports talk live, like some of the Friday, it was always the Friday shows. Was like, <laughs> they couldn't get anybody. It's like, I'm fine. No. Yeah, well, like, that yeah, was, wasn't sure, Friday, Friday when they had the Harry Carey bartender. He was just, it started off, he would just be like there. And then all of a sudden yeah. he's on the freaking panel. It's like, no, come on. Right. Yeah. I hope Cap brings that back in some sense though. Well, yeah, if he has a show, there should be like a panel element a couple times a week. He goes to the panel. Right. Right, like someone should, I can Marquee finally should, be on because he didn't. I Marquee forgot to be on. Do it. You know, Marquis should do it. There's, I don't know why they don't. We'll have to do another podcast. All the things Marquis should do that they don't yeah. Let's do, do a Marquis one. I right. Just, I don't. I don't get. I mean, I was ready to make fun of them before they launched, and then I realized that it was more ridiculous than I ever thought it was going to be. It was like, did yeah. you forget that this was the year it was supposed to launch? And all of a sudden, like, oh wait, a minute, is that to, that's tomorrow? Oh shit. My greatest, my, it's sad to say, but I think my greatest like advocacy journalism in Chicago was making fun of the the dress code so much that they changed it and made commercials about it. Yeah, you know that was my and McCarthy had a, had a had got a kick out of that too. But like, that was my big thing was getting that done. Just ridiculous. Yeah. No wonder, no wonder Len quit the business. <laughs> hey, what's Len doing these days? Yeah, that's. You think he could at least get a radio job somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, John. I held you. I made you do this longer than I, you probably wanted no. to. Next, but, uh, you know what you should do next one. Let's do a live show at Coombs Corner. <laughs> okay. I've, actually, I've never been. I've heard. I've heard from uh, uh, from Pat Hughes that it's excellent. I, I was talking about with a guy I know who's a big Cubs fan who I'm friends with because his brother worked for the Bulls, and he and I were talking about going there. Uh, we we're, we it's got to be for lunch though because the traffic to like uh, Lockport at night <laughs> is not good. That's a journey. So did I, I do want to like, go to Coombs. Did he just like build the build the restaurant on the back of the batting cage that he'd already built? Like I got a room back here. Should we put a restaurant in? Or he's like, I'm hungry. Yeah. I'm tired. Of always having to drive for food. Let's just put a restaurant up. Yeah. that's it's right. The only Pat. place in the world. It's the only place in the world where you're going to find a framed Ron Coomer All-Star jersey. <laughs> yeah, I always love the careful phrasing of Pat. Former Cub and All-Star Ron Coomer. <laughs> I say, Coom, why does, why does Pat always mention that you're an All-Star? And he just goes, he just shakes his head and he goes, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's not in his contract. Yeah. So, like, I, I, do, I do, I was checking out the menu there, and I don't know if it's an accident or on purpose, but the wings are mentioned in the salad part. So it's like salad, <laughs> but like he considers wings uh, a salad. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like your your favorite Alfonso Soriano quote about hundreds are change, Poppy. With Coomer, it's wings are salad. Salad. <laughs> I, the, the best part of that 2012 story I did was when I got that, that quote, you know, which was possibly apocryphal. 
because Mooney told it to me. <laughs> and then I got to confirm from uh, <laughs> I got to confirm. So that that was my big success of that story. But yeah. So. All, all right. right. Well, thanks, John. No problem, man. Anytime. We, we got some future podcast ideas. Yeah. Many of us have herpes. 